From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I'm Uncle Funky Larry Jones. Good Sunday morning to you, sir, and to all the folks who are listening via our app across the world. We say good morning to you, and it's a great day in the city, sir. It is, and you know, we're about to talk something that a lot of people like. Mm Mm-hmm. Money. Money. Yep. (laughs) He is a financial expert. Please welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, Mr. John Hope Bryan. Good morning, sir. Hey, hey. Honored to be with both of you. Well, thank you. Operation Hope. Tell Mm -hmm. us about that. Uh, This is my effort founded after the Rodney King riots of 1992. Our anniversary actually is May 5th. Uh, uh, 2021, so right around the corner. Um, it's my effort to create a movement of civil rights, which is social justice through an economic lens, where the color is green, not red or blue or black or white. Green is the color of U.S. currency, something we all can understand, rally around, and advance to move us really from a movement of civil rights in the streets, which we're still dealing with today, of basic access and basic rights and dignity to silver rights in the business suite, S-I-L-V-E-R, in the business suite, which is not about protesting, but partnerships and prosperity for all. And so I started that in 1992. We're now the largest financial inclusion organization in America today, 150, 160 plus locations with 40 locations coming online in the next couple of months. So we'll have 200 locations, including there in Houston, um, raising credit scores, Getting really converting renters into homeowners, small business dreamers into small business owners. That's our one million black business initiative that we launched with Shopify with a hundred and thirty million dollar commitment from Shopify to create a million new black businesses in ten years. Um, really moving check cashing customers into banking customers, getting getting our communities uh, really uh, for the first time in economic infrastructure. We have a lot of things. We got we have a arts infrastructure. We've got a, you know, uh, professional sports infrastructure. In other words, if that's your career path, is there's, there's there's tracks to get to into the to, to the arts, being a music person, a entertainment person, a TV person, and and into professional sports. But an economic infrastructure, which drives this whole country and drives the world, I would argue, doesn't exist for Black America. So. Operation Hope, in short, is my shovel in the ground to create the first time in a sustainable, reloadable, rebootable, upgradable, systemic economic infrastructure for black America. And, and then, you know, black and brown America and white, poor white America can also plug into that. And I have a whole strategy around that and then unleashing our untapped human capital at scale which I believe will add 2 to 3% of what's called gross domestic product, GDP, to the economy, which means that this is not charity or a handout. This is an investment, right? It'll pay off. Um, and ultimately to become America's financial coach. Hmm. So how do we begin this process? Because as I'm listening and I'm like, this, is, this, this sounds great, but when we get down to the root of it, and the systems that were put in place to keep us uh, 
economically uh, suppressed because, you know, we, we <laughs> black, I, I got some friends that's tried to get business loans from banks. They cannot get a business loan. <clears throat> They'll get a small business loan, but they won't get a business loan. And so I think that when, when I think about financial freedom, first I got to think about being free of this system that has been built to uh, keep us from prospering. So what what do we do first? Because if these banks ain't, you know, if ain't they ain't trying to help us prosper, then what are we doing? So let me say something pretty provocative for a public affairs show. Hey, I'm, <laughs> hey, listen here. This is why I started this conversation, because we're going to get into it. Yeah. So racism is not what you think it is anymore. Um, you know, it used to be in the 20th century, the, the 19th century. It didn't matter what the economics were, or what if this and that. You know, people were just holding blacks back. And it was systemic. It was groundwater. It was in the groundwater. It started with slavery, went up through Jim Crow. You know, got it. I understand that. But today, the whole, everything's different. Like a bank it is not trying to not give you a loan because you're black. They're probably not giving you a loan because you have a credit score below 620. And they and they and, and that by the way, that is systemic. While we our credit 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 scores are so low. Uh, so that's another conversation we can maybe get into. It, but it's all connected. Half, <laughs> so yeah, you're, half you're of, making my yeah, point, but it's but connected. Go on. It's, yeah, but but the point is irrelevant to where we are now. You know, in other words, you don't you, your net worth doesn't grow because you're blaming your neighbor. Your neighbor may be responsible. Your neighbor's grandparents, great great grandparents, but blaming your neighbor, your neighbor for your problems does not advance your net worth or pay your mortgage. Half of black people today have a credit score below six twenty. Half. That means we're locked out of the free enterprise system. Whatever the whatever got us here, the 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 most well-meaning banker in the world, a black banker, can't make a loan to you for a home, a, a, a home loan with a decent mortgage. Can't make a loan to you for a decent car loan. I can't make a loan to you. Certainly, to, for, to your point about being a small business owner, no bank will loan anybody risky credit, which is what a small business loan is, below 700 credit score. Right. So that means that most of us aren't getting loans. We walk in, we think it's the racial discrimination. We think it's bias and maybe that too. But you know, my mother's credit score is 874. She gets turned down for nothing. <laughs> right. But to <laughs> your very black, point, to your very point about black, us not green. having good credit, I mean, it, it all goes back into the system of not being, us being educated enough about, you know, having great credit. So like you're making, you're making my point for me. Like it all, it all, you know, it all ties in. Larry, you got some? Yeah, well, John, first of all, uh, congratulations on Operation Hope. Um, my question was, how do we tap into Operation Hope? I may yeah. have a 686 credit score, but how, yeah. how do I get to you and, 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 and what are your procedures to build me up? Well, this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant transition to the conversation because normally what happens is Black folks, we get stuck in the first part of the conversation. <laughs> mm -hmm. We upset, we angry, <laughs> we frustrated. This is unjust, you know, and, and we never get out of that negative feedback loop. That's a surviving mentality that unfortunately they intended it for us. Some folks intended it for us to get caught into to quote Malcolm X. We've been bamboozled. We've been tricked. We've been fooled. Yeah. And what we have to do is we got to transition to what you just said. We got to go from, uh, and this is my last book up from nothing really about mentality you got to switch from a surviving mentality to a thriving and a winning mentality. Uh, and so th that, that means you got to 
be an expert in what you're for, not what you're against. First thing you need to do, call Operation Hope at 888-388-HOPE, or go to operationhope.org, or go to hope1mbb, or one million black business initiative.org, or download the Hope and Hand app on the Android to make this easy, or the Apple platforms. And here's the best part. It's all free. Free 99. Free, F-R-E-E, 99. <laughs> and, and, and the 99 is not real. It, we've got it all sponsored from, oddly enough, mostly banks, but we have other companies as well, who are waiting for you to be rehabilitated, to be refined, to, to be prepared to, so they can say yes. So we have already had four million clients who look like you and me and three and a half billion dollars over the last 20 plus years that we have invested in underserved neighborhoods across this country to create homeowners, small business owners, entrepreneurs at scale. Uh, So call one of our Hope Inside locations, make an appointment. Typically, we can pop a credit score 30 to 40 points in 30 days just because most people have an error. On their credit, think about us as a private banker mm. for your Okay. Think about us as a private banker for the working middle class black person listening to your programming. That's what that's the great way, way to visualize this. We are their private banker and it costs them a dime and we aren't selling them anything. So, my job is to get you prepared and set up. Then we, we give you a broad range of options once you, okay. once you get your credit score up, get your your um, financial IQ up, get you get you get your your debt down, your savings up. Now you're attractive to everybody, and we may have three or four different banks competing now to get your business. So, John, the, through the pandemic and this uh, these various stimulus programs, how has that affected your walk, or has it? Oh my God! I'm, I mean, it's, I'm I'm on fire and frustrated, <laughs> right? Because there's never been a time in U.S. history that the government's given black people and brown people this kind of money. But we are mostly walking right past it because why? It's what you said earlier. We're financially illiterate. We're not dumb and we're not stupid. We're brilliant. But it's what we don't know that we don't know that's killing us. But we think we know. Uh, so there's 1.9 trillion dollars. This number is unbelievably big in this stimulus package. Just to give you some context, the subprime mortgage crisis of 2009 that we all remember, yes, the stimulus package from that was 180 billion. <laughs> wow. This is 1.9 trillion. Trillion. <laughs> uh, trillion. And uh, so let me make this real practical. This is why somebody needs to call Operation Hope like the minute they hang up, we hang up from this 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 podcast conversation. Um, in that bill, if you run a nonprofit a church in Houston. You have a small business that, that existed before January 2020. Uh, you're self-employed. You're an independent contractor. 96% of black businesses don't have an employee, so unfortunately, it applies to most everybody. Stunning statistic, by the way. Uh, they can apply right now for an SBA small business emergency loan, and even if they don't get approved, as long as they check the box that says, I want an advance on my loan application, they get ten thousand dollars. They don't have to pay it back. Mm-hmm. I'll say that slowly. <laughs> ten thousand dollars for applying. You and, don't pay it back. It's a grant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so even if you say you don't want the loan, or you don't, you, or you're not approved for the loan, to your point earlier, you, you know that we were you were declined. You still get the ten thousand dollars. Number two, 
everybody should have got a $1,400 check. If you didn't, you need to let the IRS know how to find you. I know typically you're not trying to give the IRS your address, but in this one case, you might want to. Number three, uh, if you make, uh, let's just say, you make $30,000, you're in Houston, you have three children, the government owes you about $5,000, call the earning income tax credit. And if you have never filed for EITC, it's retroactive for three years. <laughs> okay, so that's $15,000 that you get. This is like cash. This is not like a tax credit. And you get this within 30 days of filing an amended tax return. Wow. And, and it, gets, it gets better. So your three children now, who normally cost you money, are about to make you some money. You get to monetize them. I hate to be so blunt about this, but finally your kid's going to give you, going to produce some money for you. $3,000 per child for this one year of the ties to COVID stimulus. Cash. So that's $9,000 plus $15,000. Help me out here. So that's $24,000 plus $1,400. So now you're talking about $26,000 plus the $10,000 that somebody in the household can claim because they have an entity that qualifies, that's, tell me out here, was that $36,000? Yes, sir. I mean, that's free money. Well, and, and to your point, John, this, this is what we didn't know. And and yeah. a lot of us haven't filed uh, 2019, just getting around to 2020 on our tax returns, maybe, um, or whatever has come up that we haven't done it. But but you say you can you, you can file a late amendment amended return. Yes, Is that sir. what you said? Yes, sir. Okay. You can file you can file an amended tax return for EITC anytime you like. Wow. And that money's just sitting and, and there. It's right. The EI. I'm gonna say this slowly. EITC is retroactive for three years. Love so it. if you if your people are listening to this, they make less than sixty thousand. This is the power of financial literacy. If they're making $60,000 a year or less, and they're listening to your program, and they say, what is EITC? Congratulations. Your program just gave them a check. <laughs> because all you do is work and make less than sixty grand, and you immediately qualify. You amend your tax returns. You get a check for up to three years of whatever you qualify for. That's in addition to the other programs that I mentioned and probably a few things that I left out because I'm just thinking about the stuff that's top of mind. You know, all this goes back to the Freedmen's Bank of 1865 mm -hmm. after the Civil War mm -hmm. when we were freed from physical bondage but then released into debt slavery with uh, becoming sharecroppers. Uh, and we, there was a bank chartered to teach, teach free slaves about money by Abraham Lincoln. Frederick Douglass ran it. Unfortunately, Lincoln was killed the month after he signed the law. So the bank drifted into oblivion. Frederick Douglass could not save it on his own. And we never got the memo on money. And, I, and it just so happens I'm the only American citizen ever to rename a building on the White House campus. So I actually got the Treasury Department to rename the building from the Treasury Annex building to the Freedmen's Bank building. So if you Google search on your phone now, or whatever search engine you use, mm -hmm. you'll find the Freedmen's Bank building is an honor of former slaves who put every dollar they had into this bank. Yes, sir in 1865. So this is a, you know, long fought story. And he, but here's the good news. It's not like we got the memo on money and we screwed it up. 
We right. never got the memo. We never got the memo. Right, right. And that was the point that's I was trying to make earlier. Yeah, so that's all I was saying. You there, KG. John, you, Mike, you've scratched so many <laughs> points of curiosity. Um, with, with, with your knowledge of Freedman's Bank and, and that, can you take us back to Tulsa? And 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 how how magnificent was it before it was destroyed in in that in that in that complete meltdown? Yeah, it's magnificent and it's sad, uh, but not for the reason that you might think. It's sad because we keep talking about this same little ass story. <laughs> I mean, it was one little town. Sorry, it's one few square block area, as beautiful as it was. Uh, in one city, in one state, that was a symbol of free enterprise and capitalism at scale. It wasn't like the black folks were doing this all across the country, uh, as my Jewish friends have done, as my Asian friends have done, as Latinos are beginning to do, as every race but us has used capitalism and free enterprise and set themselves free. As far as we know. Well, no, 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 no. History is there for everybody to observe. The internet is Yeah, but the history of... They've lied. They've lied to us about everything. But I'm just saying, like Tulsa and, and Rosewood, those are just the ones that we know of. Ain't no telling how many more were done like that. Okay, but let's say you find ten more. That's like saying you found three more Oprahs. It's like saying you found five more LeBrons. It's still not scalable. This has to be. This has to be in our bones, man. Let me, let me answer your question though first. Yeah. So Tulsa was a horrible thing. It was basically this beautiful community of black business owners, who and black homeowners. They had small businesses. There was an ecosystem, and it was four or so square blocks, and it worked. Everything we're talking about here worked, and it, was, and it worked in part because we were forced to go to our own barber because the white barber wouldn't cut our hair, forced to go to the, the black dentist and the black doctor because the white professional wouldn't, cut up, wouldn't, wouldn't serve us. Fine, we, we turned a, nest, a, 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 a negative into a positive, and we made it work. Folks mm-hmm. were so jealous. Right. And so instant. So much so that they dropped bombs on us. Drop bombs on us worse. Rape, murder, pillage. Uh, it was a travesty. What people don't know about this story, though, is we rebuilt it. Mm-hmm. And came back. And it lasted until, hold on, 1960s. Mm-hmm. And what then caused it to deteriorate was integration man well we we got to put a pin in it right there dang i didn't even get my question in on uh wanted to talk about the value of the dollar and your thoughts on cryptocurrency and how that's you know going we can up. ask john to come, come back, back. yeah he can yeah. always come back absolutely uh, john hope bryant financial expert uh operation hope it's going down with uh the the number one more time one eight 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 three eight eight hope or operationhope.org operationhope.org yeah we'll hope to have you back my guy we really appreciate your time thank you thank you guys for caring so much about our community man thank thank you for your knowledge john we've had several uh different conversations about integration and that was our point to 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 not only have you retell the, the tulsa story but the fact that integration really took a lot out of our uh, our, our black communities and 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 almost destroyed all of our HBCUs, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but thank you for that insight, man. Very 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 powerful and very good. What we got to do now is integrate the money. Yep. <laughs> we'll be back with more of the podcast right after this. 
From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I am your host, KG Smooth. Uncle Funky Larry Jones will be joining us in just uh, a little bit. And, you know, with everything that is going on, especially when we think about those who are incarcerated, especially women, women with children who are incarcerated, imagine not being able to hear your mom's voice or hear a bedtime story uh, from her. Well, I have on the phone line, all the way in Austin, the executive director of Women's Storybook Project. Please welcome Jill Gonzalez to the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm wonderful. No complaints here. So um, this is an incredible nonprofit that is uh, based out of Austin. Can you please give us uh, the history and uh, the mission of Women's Storybook Project. Absolutely. Our mission is connecting children with their incarcerated mothers through the joy of literature. Mm-hmm. And um, our founder, Judith Delnig, began the program in 2004 with, uh, in one prison. She heard about a, a similar program and asked if we had one in Texas, and we didn't. So she worked with a social worker and a warden to set up the first program at one prison. And over the years, we have grown until this year, we are serving all 12 state women's prisons, and um, that, so that's 12, and it's been a wonderful journey. Wow. How, what was the inspiration uh, behind this? Do you know, I know, um, I'm sure you work closely with uh, the founder of Women's Storybook Project. Um, I, I do. Uh, so she was on a trip visiting friends, and they were talking about the outreach ministries from their church, and someone mentioned a storybook project in Illinois. And she went to learn more about it. And Judith lost her mom early. And it was really touched her heart, this project that allowed children to hear their mother's voices while they were away. And it was just that little tug that led her to start the project. So in the past, how have you all um, operated? Like, how does it uh, work exactly with the child being able to uh, listen to their mother's voices? Like, did you all visit them uh, in the prison? And I'm talking pre-COVID, of course. Um, Did you all visit them in the prison where the children had an opportunity to see and spend time with their mother? Or was this all done um, via telephone? Or how did that work? Such a good question. So we actually do visit the prison. We have a four-month program, and moms apply to be in it, and they have to have a period of good behavior. So they're working really hard to get into the program. And volunteers head out once a month, um, six to eight volunteers, and they go to the prison and they bring digital recorders and storybooks and program materials. And we spend about three hours at the prison with a class of about 22 moms. And the mothers choose a book and then they record it on the digital recorder and then we upload it and send the book and the URL to the child. So we don't facilitate visits but for four months in a row, um, a child would receive a, a recorded storybook and the book from their mom. Mm, okay. And I'm sure that that's made, you know, I'm sure you've got tons of success stories, maybe from mothers who were incarcerated, who were a part of Women's Storybook Project, and they got out and, you know, there was a closer bond or they felt closer to their right. child. Like, I know you have some of those. It does. It makes a big difference. And it makes a big difference for someone who's incarcerated for a short time because they maintain that connection 
with their children, but even for women who are incarcerated for a longer time, you know, we serve children ages zero to 14. So, you know, there are, I've gotten letters from 12 year olds who say, thank you so much for allowing me to, to get this book from my mom. She read me a book that I loved when I was a child and, or when I was younger. And then she also sent me books that are chapter books and, and it just has helped us remember who we are and who, what our bond is. Mm, that is amazing. I'm wondering, I'm just, uh, just a, an idea popped in my head, you know, me being a radio guy and everything. Um, I know that contraband isn't, you know, allowed, but I was just thinking like, it would be really cool if one of the moms just simply recorded one of the stories in, I don't know, a device that maybe they'll allow you all to have for the mother to record in. And then the child gets that recording of said story and can be able to keep it, you know, be it like an MP3 or on a jump drive or something. So that's exactly what we do is what we mom records and then we upload the story. We have a, a server and we rename the, the file and give it a URL. And then we put a label in the book and give instructions to the child or the caregiver um, that they can either listen to it from the link for up to a year or they can download it and save it on their device forever. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. How did you get involved, Jill? I was very lucky to get involved. My initial career was as a teacher and then a reading specialist. And so my mission has always been, my personal mission has always been literacy and and working through books. And when I left teaching, I started working at a a literacy nonprofit that is like Reading is Fundamental, where we just provided thousands and thousands of children with home libraries. And so when this position came open and I read the website, I just was drawn to everything about it. It's all good. Um, The prison wins because moms are having good behavior and they're reaching out to their families. The moms win because they they gain some self-esteem back. They they remember what they were, that they're a mom. The children win because they know they're loved. And being a volunteer for this organization, our volunteers, once they start, they don't quit. So, you know, until they have to retire. But I was just drawn to everything about it. And I'm so lucky and blessed that I was chosen to lead it. Indeed. Um, This is airing uh, Sunday morning. Uh, So it is Sunday morning, May 2nd. The uh, your fifth annual luncheon, the Women's Storybook Project luncheon. When we recorded this, it had not yet happened, but when this airs, it had already happened. So uh, sure. it was this past Thursday, uh, the 29th. Um, tell us about the luncheon. Um, and five years, that's nothing to scoff at. Uh, what, what is, the, um, what is the, 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 the reason for the luncheon? The reason for the luncheon is very simple. As we've grown, you know, originally the organization was all volunteer. But when we got up to serving about nine prison units and had over 200 volunteers, uh, the board realized that we needed employees. So we have employees and and a mission to grow. And so the luncheon is so special. It helps raise funds for program operations. And the first three years were in person. And then last year and this year have been virtual. And if anybody would like to watch it, you can still see it. we recorded it, and it's on 
our YouTube page. Just search for Women's Storybook Project, and when you pull up the page, it's there, and we'd love for you to watch. We had um, an alumni mother come speak to us, and we also had the author, Christina Sintornbot, who was a two-time Newbery Honor winner this year. So uh, we'd love for you to go view the luncheon and learn more about us um, because we are looking for volunteers in the Houston area. Absolutely. Yes. And and speaking of which, um, where do people need to go to volunteer, to be a volunteer for Women's Storybook Project? Um, everything you need is at our website, which is storybookproject.org. You can volunteer. You can give a gift. You can watch videos that show more about the project. And I'll just mention that our, our units near Houston are in Dayton. And we plan to go back live near the end of the year, possibly October. And so we're really looking for team leadership and regular Saturday volunteers. Nice. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking with Jill Gonzalez, Executive Director for Women's Storybook Project of Texas. Uh, their fifth annual luncheon was this past uh, Thursday. And w- what is it that you look forward to the most um, during this time when the luncheon rolls around? I love talking to the people who are invested in this mission and hearing their stories. Um, we'll also have a warden um, who, who will speak, speak to us. And there are so many people who want to help incarcerated women and incarcerated mothers stay connected to their families. And it's just a rush of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see that, you know, the fundraiser also supports, you know, of course, the operations um, mm-hmm. f- um, raises funds, funds for expansion for new units and, and, and all of that good stuff. So yeah. um, this is the work that you all do, man, it's nothing to scoff at. I mean, this is this is a lot of work, but I, but I'm sure that the intention is all love. I mean, because it's important it to keep is. families together. Yes, and I have. May I read you a letter from a, a little boy that we have? Absolutely. So this is a very sweet letter, and it's short. It just says, "Dear Storybook Ladies, please let my mommy Gina keep reading to me. P.S. I love hearing her voice." Wow. See, and that's what makes it all the while, all worth, mm-hmm. worth because the kids, it's, it's all about, <laughs> it's about the babies. It's about it the, is. Yeah. Jill, and we've had, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say uh, during COVID, of course, we haven't been able to enter the prisons, but that doesn't mean we stopped working. We've been working through the U.S. mail. And and we send a book um, called The Invisible String, and we give a copy to mom and the family so mom can read it over the phone. Nice. Nice. And then we'll do three more months where mom can send notes or messages which with whichever book she picks. Wow. Yeah, you had took the uh, my next question. <laughs> right I'm sorry. Out the, out, no, no, no. It's all good. I mean, I was about to ask, you know, how has operations been, you know, through COVID? Because sure. it, I'm sure that that's... I mean, it's a toll on everybody, much less, you know, children who were looking forward to seeing their parents right. and, you know, especially their mom and, and they can't. Uh, right. So, yeah. Are you on social media? What is your social media? Yes. Um, storybook. I'm sorry. WSP 
underscore TX, which is Women's Storybook Project of Texas. Um, so we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. We're everywhere. Indeed. Okay. So make sure that you all log on. And the website is storybookproject.org. That's storybookproject.org. Jill Gonzalez, Executive Director for the Women's Storybook Project. Thank you for your time and coming on the program. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope to see new people on the website. Absolutely. And that does it for this week's public affairs podcast. On behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth. We'll see you next week.